welcome to Cypherspeak, Artifacts, Ciphers, and Podities. Over here at Cypherspeak, we're just trying to keep on podcasting. And I am here today with Darcy, who is a mysterious kick-ass who commands mental powers. And I'm here with my co-host Troy, a stubborn brown coat who is loyal to a fault. And this is Cypherspeak. Yes, it is. Today, if you have not already discerned, we are going to discuss how to bring Serenity, or Firefly, (laughs) into the Cypher system. Uh, So yeah, we're going to talk about kind of some of the different ways and things that you would need to do to, to bring this kind of awesome TV series and movie into the Cypher system. So Darcy, why do we like Serenity? Uh, I usually think about it more like Firefly. I saw Serenity. Uh, I kind of saw it all all at once um, in undergrad after someone badgered me finally enough to do into doing it. And I I think I really like. I mean, I always get emotional about space. I think that's probably gotten brought mm. up here before. I <laughs> just think space is great and represents so many possibilities, and especially a. Sp- space or a galaxy full of different kinds of life forms, right? I'm a biologist. That's just instant sucker bait for me. Uh, and I I like that it's so human focused. It's, it's like, I like how lived in the ships are. There's just a lot of like life and, and culture layered onto that show. And I think that's what makes me feel like it's a real place I could go to more than a lot of times Star Wars makes it feel like, you know, there's a lot of like or even Battlestar Galactica, the sort of militaristic, really stark conditions, very shiny chrome space future is fine and lovely. And I obviously love all of that too. Um, <laughs> even Mass Effect, right? But I like the weird, uh, I, I like the language that they bring in that there's this, you know, there's been language evolution since we've got to space where mm-hmm. there's lots of Chinese phrases brought in and uh, to whatever they're speaking that might be English related, right? Uh and like the clothing styles and and like emotional reactions to certain kinds of ships or tech, like it, er, these things mean things to people. And I really, really like that about Firefly. Yeah, I, I really like the juxtaposition of, you know, space and the future and everything's supposed to be so amazing. But right. most of what we see is basically people trucking around between places in their RV. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's totally right. Uh and, and I don't know, the, the struggle and seeing the characters mm-hmm. work out their stuff, it just, it's like you learn, I learned to love those characters a lot. Uh, and then of course, Joss Whedon is horrible. And so if you haven't seen Firefly, I don't think we're really going to spoil anything today, but uh, he plays with your yeah, heartstrings. So. so get ready for that. For sure. And if you haven't seen it, why not? Yeah, I think the why not for me had been that some people are so in love with it that they're really, really aggressive about trying to get other people to watch it. And so I kind of buck against that because <laughs> I don't like being bossed around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> surprising no one. So <laughs> well, so so in that case, uh, we here at Cypher Speak will not instruct you to go and watch Firefly. We will plead with you to yes. please, please go watch it. Uh, we believe that you may be better for it. So... Uh, yeah, if you, if you haven't, definitely go uh, check it out after you listen to this episode or maybe before, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, very, very enjoyable, very gameable. So that's kind of what we're going to get into today. And I, I mean, I should preface this just a little bit with the fact that a space game 
a space RPG, a space campaign has been my white whale forever. I've always wanted to play it or run it or <laughs> in, in any way engage with it. And so I've accumulated a small stash of space-related uh, RPGs and supplements and technical manuals and, and real-life maps and weird <laughs> stuff like that. I have a whole little shrine to the the space game I'm going to play someday uh, that I've never played. And so, I, uh, so I've been thinking about this a lot. Excellent. So as we get ready to kind of dive into what is Firefly in the Cypher system, you know, we kind of thought we'd start with where you know, where, where do we think we would go from a kind of a character perspective? You know, let's start with the characters and see where that would take us. And, and I always look and this is, you know, kind of the, I don't know, the, the elevator pitch maybe for Firefly is a little bit, you know, it's kind of like a Western in space, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, so that's kind of where we're going to kind of start to take some of our you know, inspiration for these kind of descriptors and types and foci. And, and when I start looking at the descriptor list, you know, there's there's not much that you have to throw out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting because you would, you know, you'd initially look at the list and you would look through and you'd say, oh, you know, mystical might not really fit. Ho- however, <laughs> you know, we we kind of have the the whole, you know, mind power thing that River has going on that, you know, you could maybe argue that that's maybe the best descriptor for somebody who who's in that kind of, um, you know, kind of headspace. Mm. You know, and, and I think that you could definitely, if you wanted to go through, uh, take a couple of of descriptors and definitely theme them more more firefly like right. an easy one would be crazy you turn into like leaky brain pan yeah yeah right and taking the language from the show and putting it into your sentences yep. and your abilities is definitely yep and 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 the nice thing about that is it's it's just a straight skin right mm-hmm. you know um you could even you know take you know i'm sure that there's a i, I don't know if it'd be driven or maybe loyal um i'm not sure exactly which one would fit the best right but you could almost use brown coat as a descriptor as well yeah um you know uh and kind of just skin one that way what what do you think darcy do you have any thoughts on like what descriptors would, would be interesting in a firefly game um i could imagine one way you might want to do it would that would be interesting is i i might keep the uh descriptors that are telling about your personality, I might keep a slot for that. And it might be interesting to have a second slot that is your, for lack of a better term, faction, right? Uh, so I would say there are brown coats. Uh, there's a, maybe a, just a mechanic, right? I guess that's that's getting into the nouns. Um, but like there's, there are, there are really different groups who you might want to represent your character's allegiance with. Um, sure, or or maybe like background, right? Yeah. Like I am a there we go. I am a loyal inner worlder, or yeah. I am a lucky brown coat, or I am a you know naive fringer, or whatever yeah. you know you want to kind of call the people who just live on the I forget what they call them. I don't. It's the outer planets or whatever right. you know. So, so yeah, I, I kind of like that. That's interesting to maybe bring because I agree. One part of Firefly is this 
stratification, right,、mm-hmm. between the people of the inner worlds and the people of the outer, and then the people who fought in the wars、yeah. and who are part of the alliance and stuff. Absolutely, and there's even you know mercenary groups and and、mm-hmm. like I f- I feel like a lot of the show is driven by those relationships, people coming after them, <laughs>、uh, them going, them needing a thing and going to a contact to get it, and so I think. Especially if I were going to make new characters in a Firefly universe, I would I would find that very helpful role playing wise to give my character、uh, that background or that where do they fit in this very very stratified world. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea.、Um, I really like that. Another thing that I was I was thinking of is if you do, you know, have available to you.、Um, I know for sure the original. Uh, Firefly game, and I think the new one as well.、Uh, that's run on the Cortex system. They have a concept. I I do not remember what they were called. What they're called? They're kind of like edges, or whatever from Savage Worlds, right? But so like a lot of these words are in there,、mm-hmm. like Leaky Brain Pan and stuff like that. So if you're looking for like inspiration as to like what to call things, yeah, I I think that and I think this would go for descriptors and foci, like that would be a good place to go and look for some inspiration. Right. There's the older Serenity RPG using the older Cortex system, and there's the、mm-hmm. newer Firefly RPG using the newer Cortex system. <laughs> yes.、Uh, and yeah, I, f- I forget the term for that too. But there are a couple of mechanics in there that.、Um, That I think once we get to more of the mechanics section, I'll want to talk about because I think they've they、uh, it it uses a lot of things that the cipher system is good at, and so I think the the things that they're inventing for Firefly over at Cortex are also things that exist in Cipher, which makes me very happy.、Um, yeah, absolutely. There's also yeah they have like a dictionary of words, and there's like an episode、mm-hmm. guide. It's it's definitely like worth even if you're not going to run it in Cortex. That's that's a really great book to get、uh, the Firefly Cortex system book. And、uh, I think separately, there's also a dictionary of phrases for the made for the Firefly universe. I think made by like Monica Valentine. Valent- yeah, it could be.、Team. It's it's definitely in the appendix of the original Serenity RPG. Excellent. So I think yeah, my point is just words are great and important, and go use them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anything more on descriptors? Um, I don't think so. You know, so as we kind of move on to types, you know, I mean, I think that you don't have to do a lot of kind of monkeying around with the with the cipher system types. Again, you know, you you have plenty of examples of you know a warrior in the show. I mean, if you want to call them a soldier or a mercenary,、um, you know, that would probably be a little more thematic. But that's you know, I think very. Similar to what you have, you know, if you want to add a, you could add kind of like the technology flavor to just about any、uh, of the types、right. because you know people, you know, you're living in the future, so people have some access or some knowledge about technology. Yeah, stealth too. There's a lot of furtive running around and trying to escape notice, <laughs> and so I think、yeah. the stealth flavor is a, a good one to maybe mix in there. Yeah, and I see. You know, I even see a little bit of room for for something like the adept, which sometimes is hard to get into in a non magical type of game. But again, you have you have River as an example of somebody that I think could probably fall potentially into the adept class,、um, and even. But I even think Kaylee potentially could fall、mm-hmm. there, right? She has 
almost this supernatural ability <laughs> you to know with, with the ship and yes, yeah. understand what it's doing yep you know so so yeah i mean i think that those are both would be interesting to see how you how you could build them you know with like you know in kaylee's um case you know maybe it's an adept with the the skills and knowledge flavor to give her a whole bunch of extra you know mechanical skills but then she has this supernatural talk to machines ability basically yeah i mean the doctor too would be in mm-hmm. kind of a skill monkey so sure yeah yeah um i think use of those flavors really makes it feel like a pretty it makes it very i i think like a base type and a flavor gets you pretty far for these types i think you'll be playing what you want to be playing at that point for sure for sure and then as we get into the focus or foci uh I, I think that you have a lot of the same kind of advice that we had with the descriptors, right? There, there's some foci, obviously, that are very fantasy-based that I don't think, you know, have a place in, in Firefly, you know, like abides in stone or, um, you know, exists in two places at once or, you know, masters the swarm, things like that that are probably not necessarily, um, you know, Firefly-like, right. but... It, it depends, you know, we don't really see it in the shows and maybe it's a little bit, you know, out there, but if you had somebody who wanted to do something like Masters the Swarm, you know, who's to say they can't control a whole bunch of little robots or something, right? Um, you know? The the addition of technology with a big old question mark in terms of what its limits are <laughs> and, you know, the main limit is that it's very unevenly distributed. So if their focus is supposed to be something that's very special about you, that actually kind of works in this universe, right? It's, say it is tech-powered, nobody else is going to have that because, mm. you know, unless you're up a- among the the super rich and powerful, that's that's probably some bit of tech you stole or, you know, were implanted in. And so I think that's a fun story option. Yeah, or, or you know, yeah, you designed this thing and you're on the run from the Alliance because they want to use it for their nefarious purposes. Yeah, I could even imagine if you wanted to play, you know, you know sometimes the trope of, we're four people and we're the four most specialist people in the whole galaxy, in the whole verse. Um, <laughs> you, you know, sometimes that can be a little tired, but uh, but I think it can also be fun. And I think one, I think there are lots of narrative ways to make that make sense and be less artificial, right? We know that there are eerie facilities where terrible uh, science goes down. Like mm-hmm. if you want to be four people with, very magical seeming powers you can be escapees from one of that right and right. um i think there's really room for a lot of those like player desires to fit into the firefly universe as well absolutely and so i mean i think again you know take a look at some of the the firefly or serenity words and and things that they they used and you know cuz maybe um you know, instead of uh, like talks with machines, again, kind of going back to Kaylee, maybe there's a better way to to say that that still kind of gets the same point across. Absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about characters. Now, uh, do we want to talk about a couple of the main characters and, and how we would build them in the Cypher system? Uh, yeah. Why don't we? Who's your favorite character, Troy? Um, I think I'm going to pick Mal. Because, you know, hey, he's a captain and, you know, he's Nathan Fillion and he's dreamy. <laughs> he is dreamy. Um, and uh, so, you know, I mean, I think, you know, when I think about Descriptor, I, you try to 
you know, as best you can, boil it down to what what is that person, right? And, and I mean, I think that above everything, I think Mal is loyal. Yeah. You, you know, I, I mean, I think that that's just where I would, would put him. And obviously, if we want to do the background descriptor that we were talking about before, he's going to be a, a brown coat, uh, without a doubt. Right. And then I think he's probably a a warrior yep. uh, with... You know, maybe maybe skills and knowledge as a as a flavor, just because he does have the ability to kind of fly the ship and work on the ship. So he has a, a few extra skills potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not married to that, though. Maybe there's a better flavor for him. He needs some speaking abilities, right? He needs some like leadership type. Yeah. Things, and right, that's I, I, I was thinking that his his uh, focus is who mm-hmm. leads. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Sure. You know, so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's probably how I would would build Mal as a as a rough, you know, cipher character. How about you, Darcy? Who would you build? Um, Zoe might be one of my favorite uh, characters. You know, Zoe or Kaylee. There, I have a lot of favorite characters. So uh, since <laughs> Zoe, I think has a lot in similarity with um, Mal. Maybe I'll talk about Kaylee. Sure. So she is. Uh, I see her as an adept. Um, I think she has, you know, highly trained abilities and maybe an intuition about wandering around uh, a ship and being able to fix it and keep it all all lovely. Um, I would probably give her this the skills and knowledge flavor as well, so that she just you know has a real a real depth and breadth of knowledge around anything and all things ships. Um, I'm trying to think of what descriptor to give her. I would. I almost want to give her one that, you know, sometimes these characters' inabilities are as fun as their the things that make them good, right? <laughs> so I would I would probably be looking hungrily at those inabilities that the descriptors give you too. Um, she's kind of whimsical. I feel like whimsical might be the the word I use, the flavoring I give it, or mm-hmm. the skinning. Um, but I'm trying to think. Do you know what what, what descriptor would you give her? You know, I don't know. It's interesting. At the beginning, I would almost maybe give her like the naive descriptor. Right. You know, I mean, I think she definitely grows out of that. Yeah. You know, I, I think the other way that I, or the other kind of thing I always think of from Kaylee's is, um, yeah, there is one that is like whimsical and now it's on the <laughs> the tip of my tongue and I can't, can't remember it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you took clumsy and kind of skinned it more as like uh socially clumsy yeah. instead of uh physically clumsy mm-hmm. you know like that might be an interesting thing that you could do for kaylee yeah um, there's also so. just mechanical you know maybe i don't need to, maybe i you know maybe i play up her strength in that um and mechanical yeah. might even have one of the drawbacks that uh yeah we're talking about or tongue-tied potentially oh cute I don't mind that one. That That's one's not a very bad. good one. So yeah, I mean, I think we have some options, uh, you know, for her from a, a descriptor perspective. What about what about focus? I mean, I think if you go mechanical descriptor, you probably maybe open up some additional foci, right? But if you don't, you know, what do you think? What would you do with a, from a focus perspective? Yeah, this is this is a little bit hard for me. Um, you know, I think the talks to machines is my initial one right just because yeah. she's uh, constantly I think talking that, to the ship i think that's a yeah. totally solid choice yep for sure 
I would I would want to take a look at some of the ones like build robots and um, other like conducts weird science. Um, that's a little more investigative, but but yeah, yeah might be uh, might need some skinning on there. I'm trying to remember what fuses flesh and steel and fuses mind and machine is. Um, there might be some ideas in those foci at least that you might want to turn into abilities, right? You might want right. to steal some of those abilities to um, bring over to your type uh, to to really suit her. Yeah. I, I think maybe kind of, you know, bringing it together as maybe the most straightforward way to build her is a naive adept who talks to machines, yeah. right? You know, as maybe... You know, obviously there's, you know, a lot of this is fuzzy, right? You know, so on that note, uh, what uh, what are your Firefly or Serenity character sentences? What would you, how would you build your Firefly characters? You should send us those. Yes, please. Uh, I'm so excited to see those. <laughs> so the next really important thing in a cipher system game are ciphers. Mm-hmm. So how how should we tackle ciphers in this system? There's no really good example i can think of of like one use items on the show Mm -hmm. um you know that we kind of see one and done besides maybe like some syringes or stuff you know as like medical gear yeah i think I, i think medical gear and stuff like that is cool because whenever the crew has a lot of it they get hunted down by the alliance and so there's your reason you can't hoard ciphers is because If you start collecting a lot of really good stuff, the alliance is going to come down on you. So if you have go over your cipher limit, you I think your cipher uh, issue table is that people are going to come after you, whether that's the alliance or raiders who heard you have a good stash, et cetera. So, so are ciphers really just black market goods? Yeah, I think that would make sense because that could be, yeah, I like the idea that it's just black market goods and that could be you know, weapons, it could be medical, it could be weird devices. And, you know, maybe I, I wonder if I would get even a little more hacky with this. Like they're in in Firefly, they're always collecting some weird thing they need for something, right? Like, um, you know, a piece of medicine they need for a crew member or maybe perhaps they want a weird device for the ship. So I almost want to make those black market goods. I would almost like to give them an ciphers another function where like or just like trading maybe they're really important in trading sure so so unlike you know in numenera for instance where there there isn't necessarily like a trade in ciphers right i mean they're kind of hard to find right there's plenty of black market goods it's just getting your hands on them and keeping them Mm. that is difficult Mm -hmm. i like that i think tying it to i think having a something like a cipher economy means it gets brought into the narrative more, which I think is really appropriate for a Firefly place where resources are scarce. Right. So it's like, hey, we have this pile of ciphers in our holds, which means that we're over our cipher limit, which means we could get hunted down. But if we want to take them and sell them to keep the ship flying, we can't use them Mm. against whatever comes and finds us. Great point. I, I have a second method I would think about. And this is a the feeling of your luck coming in cycles and that is uh ciphers as luck or assets you know there's that asset deck where it's Mm -hmm. like oh you know if you're you get an asset to any stealth maneuvers you do when you use this card right um and you know ciphers have been envisioned as 
as luck, as flashes of insight, as divine blessings. And so if you want to get away from the ciphers as objects, I think having assets or, you know, situational benefits as your ciphers is really interesting because hoarding them could be really good. But I think the the, the drawback of hoarding a bunch of good luck circumstances is that like it triggers GM intrusions on you or something if you go over right. your limit. Yeah, like, yeah, you... you the more, the more good luck you hope bring and keep to yourself, the more opportunity there is for bad luck to happen because the universe attempts to balance itself. <clears throat> yeah, which would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's that's another interesting way to think about it. I like it. Mm-hmm. So, moving on, the next big part of Firefly is the ship. Uh, perhaps the most important part of Firefly, I would argue. <laughs> Most likely the most important part. <laughs> I mean, they've, uh, you know, in interviews and stuff, they've even said, I mean, you know, Serenity is a character on the show for sure. So I, I guess two ways that I thought about the ship uh, that I'd like to discuss with you is the first is, let's call it as equipment, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's a ship. Mm-hmm. We have ships in Star Wars. We have ships in Star Trek. Um, and here you, you can f- you would need fuel. You need to find parts on occasion you can do you can modify it right you know like oh we want bigger cannons or we want to save up for yeah. you know like that cool new engine or, or whatever um and players some players like that right mm-hmm. you know they're like oh yeah we want to mod and make our ship better so we start out with this old clunker and yeah. by the end we have a ferrari yep <laughs> <laughs> so so what do you think about you know the ship as equipment um, I, I think about the campaign podcast, which is the Star Wars actual play with <laughs> run by Cat Cool on the One Shot Podcast Network that I think Troy and I both love dearly. Mm-hmm, for and sure. I, I seem to remember some episodes where Cat was tr- clearly trying to give them some options to like maybe get a new ship, like a better ship since their ship is tiny and really, really inappropriate <laughs> for the number of people they have and the stuff they have on it and everything they're trying to do. And it's just like, it's a bad choice. But man, the ship has become a character. They do. They have no. Mm-hmm. They had. They were so resistant. They they would much rather tack on an extra wing and just make it the super awkward <laughs> Franken ship than they would to buy a new ship. And I, I wonder how common that is in RPGs generally, or you know, perhaps you know, I, people get attached to that that place. So for sure, uh, that that makes me. That's that, that's what that immediately makes me think of. So I think. Even if it is equipment, it is a deeply emotional attachment. So thinking about it as equipment, so you're saying mechanically, do we represent it as equipment? Like it is running down, like as though it were arrows you have in your quiver, right? There are are things it has and things it doesn't have and you have to go get new stuff it has or add mods. Yeah, you have, uh, you know, it, it costs you a certain amount for fuel to keep it flying. And obviously GM intrusions can cause parts to break. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, they, they're like, you know, your ship is going to have some statistics, right? Mm-hmm. You give it um, some pools or whatever and or just a, a difficulty and this is how good it is. And if they yeah. want to do cool things, they could do different stuff to it. Oh, so cool. I, I think it, I think it needs a map. I think any ship oh, for sure. needs a map. So that's a hundred percent. I think regardless of how you treat it, it needs a map. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah, I think you're about to introduce an alternate way of doing it. And I think that's what I lean towards. So tell me about your idea, Troy. So my other idea 
is what about the ship as an artifact? Mm -hmm. So it's a little more abstract, uh, but you could basically, as a game master, you could call for depletion rolls mm -hmm. when you are using the ship stressfully, right? I mean, if they're just flying from a place to a place, you know, whatever, maybe that doesn't cause for a roll. Or maybe it does because you need to find out if you run out of fuel, mm -hmm. right? Or, um, you know, so uh, you kind of use your discretion as to when you want to make this depletion roll. And so you have the ship, you know, they can they can make all of the kind of the the narrative modifications to it that they want, or maybe they make modifications that, you know, would influence the difficulty of the depletion roll. So when you get your your new ship, maybe it's a five in twenty depletion roll, because it's not a new ship, it's an old beat up ship that you salvaged from the junkyard. Mm-hmm. And then you fix it up and it's a four and 20 because you yeah. added new engines. That's really cool. But then you get attacked by Reavers and they break stuff. And now it's a six and 20 until you can fix things. That's super cool. Yeah. And I, I like all the different options that gives you. And I think, it, I think it's exciting, right? It's not just that, you know, maybe, maybe a part blows up. Maybe you're starting to run out of fuel. Maybe you're something strange is going on with one of your detectors. Like that, it just... That can become a whole adventure if you want it to as a GM. And I especially love the just that you can GM intrude on the ship. That's that's just so smart. It's a great way to set up an adventure or an episode. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, just that, yeah, like you said, that depletion roll, it comes up. And I look at it sometimes with like maybe you make the depletion roll at the end or beginning of the session mm -hmm. and that you know that in that next session, it's going to come into play, but they don't know when. Mm. Yeah. You know, so. That's cool. So, That's eerie. So, you got a clock. So it's like, yeah, hey, uh, we know that something's going to happen to our ship this time. We just don't know when it's going to occur. Ah, oh, that's so cool. Um, the, the depletion roll mechanic makes me think of other, you know, especially if you don't have ciphers as black market goods, where if that's not a bit major part of your game is like the trade and, and resources, but you still want to represent the we are on the edge of being broke every minute and we are always <laughs> we're just scrabbling to get enough fuel to make the next jump and just trying to keep flying you know um having a depletion role for your resources could be a really neat way to do it too and like you know if you make a really good contact or you get a good like if you set up a relationship with a good black market dealer maybe that makes your depletion role easier you're you just generally have more funds around because you're able to shunt this black market goods to the right people um so that could be a fun way to do it too especially if you didn't want to like like tracking gold pieces and converting them into <laughs> silver pieces makes me very sad i just hate doing it in games i like yeah. if you if you handed me a stack of coins we could talk but I'm not touching coins. I'm doing math on the corner of a piece of paper to see if I could buy that scarf. And I just don't care. Um, I don't like dealing with money that way. Um, yeah, I think that that's interesting. You know, maybe as a crew, including your ship, maybe you have a set of, you know, call them attributes or indicators that you would have a depletion roll of. So maybe you have wealth. Yeah. Right. And maybe when you're starting and you're really poor, Maybe your depletion roll on your wealth is one through 18. Yeah. Right. So like you can buy a thing and then you are poor unless you get really lucky and you have to do something to like reinstate your wealth. Right. And, you know, and then the ship, instead of just a single artifact, like you were saying, yeah. could be kind of multiple, right? You have fuel, you have parts. You've and, got you your know, storeroom. Do you have that wacky yeah. 
doohickey that you need for this thing? Or did you, did you know to pack, you know, your mother's lucky uh, murder cloak or whatever? <laughs> That's really interesting. I, I, I like that idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that a yeah. little bit. I don't to, know. I would love to see it in action and see if it plays yeah. out as fun as I I hope it would. Yeah, it's an interesting way to abstract a lot of that stuff. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, there was a there's another mechanical idea I wanted to talk about, and and that is just I think it's just a good fit. I don't think it's necessarily advice, but it's um, so in the Firefly Cortex systems, you have things like big damn hero points, um, mm-hmm. and so you you can uh, like voluntarily have a lower chance of success at something to like accumulate these points. You're kind of almost doing these self-compels like in Fate or something. But you get these points and that's what gives you some player narrative control to make sure that you're shaping the kind of story where things are really bad for a while, but when it counts, people can step up and be big damn heroes when they narratively should, as opposed to a bad die roll can totally screw you over. And so I think Cypher already has a lot of that built in, right? With the XP, Mm -hmm. with having effort and things, like you can spend these resources to make sure that when it counts, you can often be the big damn hero that you're supposed to be. Absolutely. No, I mean, I think that that, I I remember back, you know, I'm not as familiar with the new one. I'm more familiar with the Serenity one, but they had the plot points, right? Where you could use to like, you know, influence stuff. And, And this is a lot of like, when we go back to our experience hacks, right? Of, you know, you can spend a plot point to know somebody in this town that can give you a job. Mm, well, yeah. spend some experience to have a minor contact and exactly. know somebody who can give you a job. Yep. Uh, you know, so yeah, absolutely. I see a lot of parallels between those, you know, where you can try to save for that, that time, like you said, where you need to be a big damn hero and you need to blow five levels of effort and three XP to get yeah. the job done. And, you know, betting XP to reroll depletion rolls, which... It now might be really worth it in this game, you know. You might say, <laughs> yeah, that, but you but you get to feel that luck, that luck pool running out, you know. Right, like it's oh man, it's, it, we're depleting on a two and twenty. <gasps> oh, I rolled a two. Yeah. Oh, we'll just spend XP to reroll. Oh, I rolled a one. <laughs> oh, brutal! <laughs> so good. I'm so excited. <laughs> so this has been our musings on how to go have life in the verse uh, with the cipher system. We think. It's a really fun time, and we would love to hear any of your experiences running games similar to these or uh, ways that we haven't thought of to bring Cypher System to make it really make that setting and that system of stories uh, sing with this mechanics. So please come at us with your Cypher sentences as well if you have some good ideas for how you would build one of these characters. And uh, any ideas you have, come at us on Twitter or email or any other way. So moving on to our podities. Uh, my podity this week is Chris Renshaw, who is at Chris the Prof on Twitter. And uh, first of all, I mean, he has a pretty cool podcast of his own, Boards and Swords, where he talks a lot about board games and, and various stuff. Uh, but the reason I wanted to bring him up this week is he blew my mind the other day on Twitter when he brought up the idea of using GM intrusions and the escalating horror mode mechanic in a superheroes game to represent the threat to bystanders. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, so when you roll an intrusion, it's it's that you're causing collateral or bystander damage, and you can set the intrusion number based on how many people are around. So if you're in the bad guy's hideout, it's just a normal one because there aren't any bystanders. But then you bust through the wall into the city street and there's tons of bystanders and you can escalate it up to a five. 
Wow. Right? Because all of a sudden, there's a much bigger risk of hurting other people. And it blew my mind with some of the other possibilities that you could use that for. So that might be a future show topic cool. of how we could really tweak and yeah. uh, do that. But I wanted to bring him up because it was an amazing idea. So um, so yeah, go check him out on Twitter at uh, Chris the Prof. We'll have a link in the notes or his podcast. So definitely do that. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. That's really great. Uh, so my potty this week is Starcrossed. It is a, a super cool game that's been in playtest for a long time um, by Alex Roberts. It's uh, Starcrossed, the two-player game of Forbidden Love. It uses a Jenga tower like Dread, uh, but instead of having a horror event happen when the when the last block comes out, it's it's two people who are for some reason uh, not able to or unwilling to sort of express their love yet. And so you sort of play out this tension and uh, and as the the last block gets toppled, um, I think based on the number of blocks you have out, it's you either do end up together or don't or something in between. Um, the art is amazing. It's I hear really, really great things about the play tests um, and and people who've played it already. I think that uh, she's a super geek has an actual play of it. So go check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just fabulous. I got to play Kagematsu, a uh, seducing and kissing uh, Ronin in a uh, Shogunate Japan <laughs> game with Alex Roberts. And she is just a master of the craft in all ways. And uh, you should go support her stuff. So go check out Starcrossed, the two player game of Forbidden Love on Kickstarter now. All right. And then uh, we want you to also uh, maybe check out another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. And uh, this week, I'm going to talk about Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. Hobbs gets together with various friends from the OSR community where they talk about the games they play, a little about themselves, some OSR related topics, and sometimes the state of the OSR where Hobbs puts down his Mr. Rogers person and gets all opinionated. Get old school with Hobbs and friends of the OSR. So if you need some of your old school renaissance uh, learning, that's the place to go and get it on the Misdirected Mark Network. As always, uh, you know, feel free to reach us with all of those things that Darcy mentioned above on Twitter at CypherSpeakPod. And feel free to email us or post notes on the episodes individually on misdirectedmark.com. If you want to email us, that email is cypherspeakpod at gmail.com. And we, of course, always love it when people subscribe and and keep listening to our stuff and giving us feedback. And uh, if you feel motivated to rate us on iTunes or any other place, we always deeply, deeply appreciate that. So thank you to everyone who has already done that. Absolutely. Thank you all very, very much. So, Darcy, in your space game, what are you going to name your ship? (gasps) That is the hardest question I've ever been asked. (laughs) (laughs) Cypherspeak is a member of the Misdirected Mark Podcast Network, the media arm of Encoded Designs. finish steeping this tea and then drink it that is usually what one does with tea on occasion sometimes i snort it